0: Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. All right, here we go. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, tuning in to SST. Apple Podcast app, Spotify, if you found us right now, if you're hearing me say these words, you clearly found us somewhere, but in case you didn't know, we're everywhere. If you listen to podcasts, thank you for listening, joined with me for the first time in a few weeks. We don't like to do that. We try to keep it consistent, but this is one of the hardest working men in show business right now, my guy, Pat Boyle. What's
1: up, brother? Hey, hey, what's up, man? I had the bye week last week from the show. <laughs> yeah. Early mornings the last uh, few Mondays over at The Fan and CBS Sports Radio, but I'm glad to be back, man. I uh, love chopping it up. Let's get into it.
0: Yeah, man. From uh, Rutgers to LIU to The Fan to CBS Sports Radio to your other plethora of podcasts that you're dabbling in,
1: you're a busy man over here. I love it. You know you know. I respect the grind as much as any. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a dabbler when it comes to the podcast. Like. As much as I want to, kind of just hone in and really kind of craft one, like I do, I, I do, Boyle Shen Show the least now. Yeah, like I barely, barely got time for poor old Shen over there. Yeah, right.
0: You know, Boyle Shen Show is the OG for you, AO, uh, but now you got uh, Islanders Pod that you're frequenting. You got a pod right. in the works over at the the fan, perhaps with our guy Big Zoo. You got yeah, we
1: can we can drop that. That's that's coming out uh, is that as soon official? as that kind of yeah. As soon as I guess all the. Uh, um, you know, buttoning up gets done and we get the platform to start posting it. Yeah. Me and big zoo over at the fan, we're going to have a college hoops pod. So I'm super pumped about that.
0: Exactly. So college I've, hoops. I've
1: never, I've never watched so many college hoops games in November in my entire life.
0: So, I don't know if that sounds amazing or terrible. Not going to lie. It's great. It's great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That, that is great. That is great. Uh, the energy is higher right now in college hoops than bat than NBA hoops. And uh, we'll talk about the Knicks in a moment. So yeah, you're busy, man. Go check out Pat Boyle at 80 Y L E. On the Twitters and the Instagrams to keep up with what he's doing. You're going to want to do that, of course. And now we're, we're going to talk football here in a second. We got NFL conversations to have. We are at week 11. Like, how? I don't know. It is flying by. We have to queue
1: up the mic. You got to queue up the mic Francesa. Week 11 already. And then it's every other week. Week 12 already. How do we get to week 12? Week 13 already. <laughs> You ever see that from Funhouse when he tweets it out starting at like week six and Francesca every single week? He's like week seven. Can you believe it already? Week eight. How is it week eight already? And then that, he does it every week. That yeah. is a
0: guaranteed drop on this podcast starting next week. I will have that is amazing. I need that. Uh, yeah, week 11 already. I can't believe I've been saying it, too. I'm, I'm just as bad as Mike. Apparently, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. It's flying by. So we have a bunch of NFL topics to talk about. We're going to hit our top three units in the NFL. We're talking about the units, offense and defense. Our top three, obviously we'll honorable mention. I'm sure one or two here and there, especially if we don't have the same exact three. So top three offenses, top three defenses, a conversation coming up in a moment. We'll also touch base on the rookie quarterbacks to this point in time. Pretty obvious number one, but some intrigue on the rest. Uh, and then lastly, we will look forward to week 11, our key matchups. Cause now it's that time of the year. Week, week 11 already, where you have to start looking at those matchups specifically because there's playoff implications here. There's serious inquiries about these teams and who's real and who's not. Who is a flash in the pan? Who's had the easy schedule? Now they got the hard one, right? All the stuff is starting to shake out. We kind of understand what people are, but we don't fully, fully understand yet because, for example, a team we may talk about, the Buffalo Bills. They're a contentious team to this point in time because, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, their numbers are great. But they have, like, a weird loss here. They have our easy schedule there. So those are the types of things we need to decipher, and we will. But first and foremost, Pat, let's touch base on another lackluster. Lacking oh. a lot of lust. There's, there's a lot of luster lacking when it comes to the New York Knicks right now, Pat. And uh, the obvious topic that is being discussed at the highest level is the starters versus the bench ideation that's been created here, that the bench is good, the starters stink and something needs to change. Don't know if that's the case, but what do you think about this? What is causing this lack of luster, and what's frustrating you with this Knicks team now that we've lost to the Magic twice this year now?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, as 12-plus 12, 12 point favorites now, they've lost to the goddamn Orlando Magic in the Garden twice. I mean, I've never, for the the more, world's most famous arena and how many absurdly passionate Knicks fans. I mean, just check out the Bing Bong video to, to, to see how many absurd Knicks fans there are and how loud that place gets for as loud as it's been the Knicks are dog shit at home. Like there's no home court advantage right now playing at the Garden. That's number 1. That's the most concerning thing is that they are terrible at home especially as big favorites which they never were last year. And I know like I don't think it's I don't think it has anything to do with oh like the people know the Knicks are a good team now. Like that it's that's not the case. Like you and I both know like if you don't bring it any day in the NBA you're getting beat. And the Knicks brought it every game. That's what it is. It's first and foremost, it's just the energy. Like, as corny as that sounds, that's the thing. Like, they don't clamp up on defense as much. They're not closing out shots. And we knew that that was going to be somewhat of an issue, the fact that they lost Block and they get, you know, guys like Kemba and Fournier who, historically speaking, are not great defenders. So that's one thing. And then, two, like, we're supposed to complement that with an uptick in offense. And that has not been there. Like, Julius – One, it starts with him. He's, he hasn't been the same player. He's trying to not be as selfish this year. Like there's a lot less ISO there's more. So they're just trying to move the ball around, get open looks, but they're not doing it. They're just not doing it. And you know, uh, again, I, I a lot of it just comes down to a lack of just guys hitting shots. The two guys they brought in Kemba and Fournier yet again on Wednesday night at home against the Orlando magic, they go a combined four of 13 from the field. They both score five points. Like, that can't fucking happen. Two guys you bring in that are supposed to make the offense that much better. Every other night, it seems like either they both have it or neither of them have it. And, again, this is something I don't know if I've talked with you or Mark about, but, like, on a night where Fournier doesn't have it, Kemba's got to have it. And Julius also has to have it. There's too many nights where Kemba doesn't have it, Fournier doesn't have it, Julius doesn't have it. It's embarrassing. They're playing an embarrassing brand of basketball right now. And Tibbs either has to think about mixing up the rotations, maybe dropping Kemba and starting D-Rose. Like, they've got to do something because the starting unit hasn't been there for the majority of this season. And then even tonight, like the bench, like, you know, you oh, like that great second unit, they come off the bench, they give you great spark. Like, even then, I feel like it's a flash in the pan. And so many of the times we see that when they're down already 15 and, like, the bench gets them back in the game, And then even then, they they just aren't closing out games like they were last year. It's uh, it's not a great spot to be in. And I know it's early, but uh, who cares? We're already we're fifteen games into the NBA season already. We're a fifth of the way through almost.
0: We're a fifth of the way already.
1: And and, yeah, and the (laughs) Knicks are. And I just said it like a week ago. I was like, all right, you know what? It's I know it's early, but like if the Knicks take care of like four out of five against the Hornets, Pacers, Magic, Rock, and and Rockets, or three out of four then it's fine. Well, they've already lost two of those three and I'm not confident. Well, I mean, if they lose to the Rockets, it's all out panic. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. But still they just, they're not playing great basketball and Julius either. They either have to go back to giving Julius more ISO and he's got to just start being the man again, which he hasn't been, um, or they just got to get better production out of these other guys. Like RJ has been the best player for a large stretch of the season. And even then he goes, Oh, for seven. You think so?
0: I, I feel and like he doesn't, he, he hasn't been, but we we'll continue.
1: I, I feel like, he, I, well, again, I feel like at times he is when he's attacking the hoop and like he can't be stopped in the paint. But then again, you clogged up lane. He can't make a goddamn shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, for seven from deep tonight. They just have too many, too many flaws right now in terms of how they play. Like the way that this roster was set up, the way that we went into the going into this season, I'm thinking, all right, you know, like Knicks are going to win 45, 46 games. Grab it, grab the four of the five seed, and then just see what happens when they get to April. Now I'm I'm legitimately worried that they are going to be a a play in team.
0: Play in team was always on the table. You hoped it wasn't right. I think the most realistic view for this team was like that five to seven range, which could put them in the play in the play in. Right, so that's not out of the realm, even if they were playing better. But there's issues about how they're not playing well. It's not that. Teams are just beating them and they're playing solid. They're beating themselves in a lot of way and they're not looking comfortable in their own skin on the court. I tweeted on November 1st, so 16 days ago, I don't know how many games that was exactly. Probably about, you know, five, five or so games, right? Fournier and Kemba were combining seven and a half three-pointers made on 14.8 attempts. So over 50% to November 1st. So only for, you know, that was only for like five, five games or so, maybe four games, five games. That was insane. And that was going to come down to earth, obviously. And that was the point of the tweet. Like, that's an insane shooting start. That's not going to sustain. However, you don't expect it to fall off the face of the earth the way it did. What that likely means is there's some sort of balance there where they're going to find the medium, find uh, their mean, if you will. The problem for me is that we thought these two new guys, Kemba and Fournier, and another year of Barrett, and another year of Randall being a bonafide star-type player, Rose off the bench, all those things would help us get to the rim, find open shots, and make open shots. Unfortunately, Kemba, at the rim, has not been very good this year. He's been bad. He can't get to the rim with consistency. He doesn't want to shoot near the rim either. Fournier's not particularly his game. He'll do it and choose his spots, but he hasn't been good at uh, creating either. If RJ's not making jumpers, he's still an attack mode type guy. He's physical. He's going to play his ass off, but, but it's not wonderful. enough. Yeah, It's not enough skill there still to overcome bad shooting. And Kemba Walker hasn't changed that. And that's why I think the bench mob that people love so much is working. It's because there's two guys right now who penetrate with success, Derek Rose and IQ IQ is not a big time finisher, but he can get off the dribble, get open. And obviously the step backs and all that stuff is really fun and exciting. So, that's the real problem. It's the penetration or lack thereof with the starting unit. And Julius Randall hasn't been able to benefit from the quote unquote spacing that was going to come to play with these new guys in the starting lineup. Cause the spacing hasn't worked. It hasn't been there cause they're not making shots. So it's kind of like, uh, what's that that phrase about the, the tail wagging, the dog in this case, Shooting is the tail, and you need it to wag the dog a little bit, right? Like, you need the shooting to come to open up the floor. You're watching more college basketball than ever, Pat. The one thing that frustrates me the most about college basketball is the lack of spacing and how hard it is to get inside, and that's why guys like Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley are absolutely thriving at the NBA because they're playing with more space than they ever have before. Right now, the Knicks are operating almost like a college team. That's how little spacing they seem to have on a regular basis, especially when those starters are in.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was, that was spot on analysis from you. I know you, you eat up the NBA every single night. So <laughs> as, you're da- as you're dabbing,
0: <laughs> feeling, feeling weird tonight. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> <he's
1: saying. laughs> th- it's just,
0: it's like, it's just funny though. Cause you know, before the season started last year, I was a, a pessimist, like mo- not a pessimist. I was actually an optimist last year, like most, but we weren't expecting what we got right this year our optimism was at this newfound level of, yo, we're a top four seed for real. And I was like, all right, I don't think we're quite that. I think we're maybe a five seed if things go really well. Now, granted, did I think the Hawks were better than the Knicks and the Knicks were better than the Bulls? Yeah, so maybe that's flip-flopped and the Hawks and the Knicks are more similar and the Bulls are the better team right now because that's what it looks like. Still, the Knicks are not a top three team in this league. They're not a top four team, especially right now. Don't think they are in general. And five to eight was probably always their most realistic spot. And now it's proving that they'll be lucky to be there right now as they currently sit at seven. The one positive, Pat, through all this struggle right now that feels terrible, they, uh, like you kind of outlined before, they're three and five at home, five and two on the road, which is weird, but that's what it is. Through the struggle, through this uh, frustration, They are playing 500 basketball, so that should make you have some optimism in the sense that as they figure some things out and start to hit some jump shots, that 500 basketball can get to 550 basketball or whatever it needs to be for them to be that five seed range.
1: Yeah, and like to me, also like another thing is concerning is like the guys who are going off against the Knicks too and their inability to play defense at times. Like they were getting torched by fucking Ricky Rubio a couple weeks ago when they played Cleveland. Got torched tonight by by Terrence Ross off the bench for Orlando. And he did last time too. And and my, and yeah. And Miles Turner look now, I look, Miles Turner is having a great season and he's having the best three point shooting season of his career. But a lot of that came literally in one game, but he hit seven threes against the Knicks. Like make a fucking adjustment on defense. Like that's the thing too. Like that's got to fall on tips. Like, they're not making adjustments on defense. They got burned by Patty Connaughton in that game where they, where they came all the way back and could have beat the Bucs. Mm. Pat Connaughton then shoots five uncontested threes in the last five minutes of the game. Like, how do you not know that that's coming? How do you not know when a team is doing something that works, you have to make an adjustment? And it's like just banging their head against the wall. Oh, oh, Pat Connaughton's wide open from the left wing yet again. What a shocker. Like, how, how is this happening? Oh, Miles Turner's wide open again. Even though he's just you know seven footer that doesn't you know normally shoot the three well oh he's already hit five against us this game oh let's leave him wide open for another three more like I, that that's the shit that really is yeah is it's, that's the frustrating part of this team
0: and that's the one thing that's worrisome if you heard a lot of skeptics from last season and we're going a little bit longer than we needed to here on the Knicks but we'll finish up in a second
1: I know but I mean geez. we got, got a little amped you know, up over here
0: you know. Uh, all the skeptics last year were like, oh, all the opponents for the Knicks can't hit open threes. It's luck. It's regre- It's going to regress, whatever. It never did last year. Knicks fans are like, oh, it's not going to regress. All you analytics nerds are telling us that uh, we're not good at defense. We're good at defense. you know. And it turns out we might be good at defense, the Knicks, right? But there is a lot of shots being made right now. Grayson Allen, another guy, comes to mind. Just like couldn't miss. No. He, he kind of can't miss all season here. But that's the larger point. Now, the one thing another that I do like about this team They've beaten the Bucs this year. They beat the Sixers twice this year. Beat the Celtics on opening night, which feels like a long time ago. Beat the Bulls. They have another rematch with them in a couple games. Now they have to continue what they did last year, which was most important to their success, is beating the teams that they were supposed to beat. The Knicks weren't supposed to beat anyone for the past decade, right? Last year, all of a sudden, they're three-point favorites. They're four four and a half-point favorites. They're two-point favorites, and they're... Two-point underdogs. And they're kind of winning those games. They're taking care of business against teams they could beat. Against the Orlando Magic, they need to win those games. Against the Houston Rockets, they need to win those games. Then comes the Chicago Bulls, the Lakers with LeBron back, the Suns, the Hawks, the Nets, the Bulls again, the, the Nuggets. Those are the next games. I didn't skip any. Those are the next games upcoming. So they need to take care of business when they're favorite. In those games, they'll probably be favorite two or three times maybe maybe once, maybe twice. They need to win now a couple against some big dogs. And that's really what it comes down to. It's not the easiest time to figure out how to get right for the Knicks, but you know, what better time than the present? So anything else to add on the Knicks before we get to football? No. all right, cool. Good job. Subway sports talk. Pete can Pat Boyle. You know what it is. Let's talk football, baby. It's time for you and I, Pat, it's not mid season. Technically we're in week 11 already. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Uh, I can't, I I can't help myself. Week
1: 11 already. Okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: so it's not a midseason report card or awards or nothing like that, but it's a great opportunity with all this data we have now, every team has played nine or 10 games to this point and 11th or the 10th or 11th is coming up. We kind of have an idea in some ways, what units we can trust on offense and defense in some ways, it's kind of hard still to truly tell because there is some outlying performances There are some times and places where things don't quite add up and make sense, so now is a great opportunity for you and I to talk about our top three offenses, top three defenses, and we'll touch on rookie quarterbacks as well. So let's start with the most fun thing of all, and that's offense. I think coming into the year, people would have said the top three offenses are the Chiefs, the Bills, and then you can probably throw in the Bucs or the Rams. Is that a fair assessment? Of who people would have guessed as the top three before the season started,
1: I would I would have the Bills in that conversation as well before the season yeah. started.
0: Yeah, I said Bills. I said Chiefs, Bills, Rams, and Bucks.
1: Oh, but, okay. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: And I think right. in in general here we may we might have some of the same teams. So Pat, give me your top three offenses to this point. Uh, in any let's go one, two, three. Let's go top one, two, and three, and then I'll give you my one, two, three, and we'll discuss all in all. So give me, give me who you think are the best offenses in the league right now.
1: Okay. Number three, I'm going to put Tampa Bay. I'm going to start bottom up. Um, I mean, look, we know the plethora of weapons they have. We've seen Tom Brady do this for 20 years. Um, Their their offensive line is solid. It's uh, they're not elite. They have a very solid offensive line, but obviously it starts and ends with Brady um, and the weapons, you know, with Evans and Godwin and, even, even with AB and Gronk being hurt seemingly now for like a month straight, like they're still, I know they just lost to Washington and then Brady threw two picks in the first quarter and they didn't look that great against Washington's defense, who has been terrible all year. But aside of that, uh, aside from that Tampa Bay's offense, look, they won a Super Bowl last year. Uh, Fournette and Bernard and Ronald Jones have been a really good running back committee for them. And again, Tom Brady. Like, do I need to say it again? Like Tom Brady's capable of going for 400, 450 yards every single game. He's thrown five touchdowns already, what, three times this season. So Tampa Bay's offense, number three. Number two, I'm going to put the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and by the way, Tampa Bay averaging uh, what on the season, 31 points per game, 406 yards of offense. So I'm pretty sure that is number three and number four, respectively. So it's right where I have them ranked. Number two, I'm going to give – I'm going to put Dallas. Number one, scoring offense in the league. Number one, offense in terms of yards per game. They've been incredible this year. Um, You know, Zeke has kind of found a really good – they found a really good partnership with how they manage Zeke and Pollard. Um, And then the weapons have have been great. Cooper, Lamb, you know, they've gotten Gallup back now. Dalton Schultz is is turning into the next – you know, witten for them. And that, that offensive line, to me, that's the best offensive line in football because you see how many times when you watch the Cowboys, they blow teams off the line of scrimmage. And that's why at times they make Elliott and Pollard look so good. Even though they're a good running back duo, that offensive line makes them look that much better. And you got to give Dak credit. I mean, Dak has been incredible coming off the gruesome injury from last season. He has been everything you'd hope for and more. And you know how good an offense is when they have Cooper Rush playing and they're still able to beat Minnesota. Maybe more of an indictment on the Vikings, but also the Dallas Cowboys offense was still able to put up, what, 21 points in that game against Minnesota with Cooper Rush playing quarterback. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Dallas number two. To me, the number one offense in the NFL still is the Buffalo Bills. Kansas City, they've had their problems. We've detailed them. Last year, it was the Kansas City Chiefs. The last two, three years, it was the Kansas City Chiefs. This year, rightfully so, it's the Buffalo Bills. Yet again, they're putting up. 31 points a game. They're averaging 400 yards of offense. Josh Allen is a stud. I've, the Bills were my Super Bowl pick before the season. I'm sticking with that. We'll talk about them in a little bit when we look at some games this upcoming weekend because they have a proven game this week. But, I mean, the, the duo, the chemistry that Josh Allen has developed with Stefan Diggs is remarkable. I mean, the fact that he can run almost any route known to man and Allen can find him is tremendous. Uh, Again, you talk about another great running back duo, Moss and Singletary, Thunder and Lightning. Dawson Knox, hottie-tottie. Dawson Knox has been phenomenal this year. And that offensive line for Buffalo doesn't get enough credit. Um, They're not one of the best in the the league, but they are a really, really good pass-blocking offense. Like the fact that Josh Allen is seemingly rarely under pressure, and I know that we're some recency bias to that because he was under pressure constantly against Jacksonville. They had some guys banged up. They lost John Feliciano. He's on the IR. But that offensive line is solid. And to me, just the, the fact that what they can do with all the schemes, the jet sweeps, um, I love what Dayball has done with that offense. I would still put Buffalo's offense against anybody else's in the league. And I, I think the Bills are, are, the you know, again, they've put up, what, 35-plus points almost every other – it seems that like half their games this year.
0: I uh, Yeah, they they're putting up points like crazy. Now, I have – I have some uh, some pushback thoughts perhaps on the Buffalo Bills uh, being number one. And I strongly consider, before I give you my list, can I give, should I give you my pushback on the Bills now or should I go through yeah. my list?
1: Give me your pushback now.
0: So one of the reasons why I struggle to put the Bills that high is twofold. For starters, their defense has been so crazy good that they are operating in awesome field position quite often. They have the most takeaways – in the league by a long shot. They have 24. The next most is 21, 19 down to 17 by number four. So they have more takeaways and they have better field position than a lot of other teams consistently. And they've played the easiest, one of the easiest schedules in the league, right? So they haven't been tested by good defenses very often. So those are the two reasons. One is their defense is putting them in fantastic position consistently to just score points with ease and their yardage is, kind of proves that out, right? Like They don't don't have um, the most yards per game. They're not in the top three, I should say, for most yards per game offensively. They are fifth. They're up there. But I think there could be some other teams that you could argue are doing more offensively to score consistently when Josh Allen's been getting some awesome field position. Again, against crap teams. You get the Dolphins twice. The Texans. Granted, they couldn't score against the Jaguars. That's probably an outlier. We'll throw it out. But there hasn't been a lot of games this year where it's like, oh my God, Josh Allen just threw four touchdowns and ran one in. Like he hasn't had those moments yet this year. Like he's definitely not nowhere near his pace from his near MVP uh, campaign last year. And for those reasons, I struggle to put them at number one. Uh, it's kind of more of like a wait and see as their schedule starts to get a little bit tougher here. If they actually are, you know, a top th- top three, top one offense in this league. Cause again, the defenses that they've played this year are not impressive at all. Like seriously, the Steelers in week one, other than that, they haven't really played a serious defense the entire season. It's dolphins twice football team, Texans, uh, Jaguars and jets. So
1: I would push back on that by saying Miami, uh, I think you're, I think Miami's offense looks so they're terrible. A bad team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right.
1: Their, their defense is still, and we saw them, we saw them break down Baltimore getting play-by-play, blowing up uh, the Baltimore offensive line on uh, a consistent basis, containing Lamar Jackson, which so few teams have been able to do. I'd say Miami's defense is solid. Uh, Tennessee's defense has gotten better and better as the year has gone on. They're getting a ton of takeaways. And Jacksonville, look, Jacksonville's not a great team, but the defense, there is something to be said about how hard they play considering their offense can't do anything. So I would push back on that, and I'd also push back by saying that Buffalo doesn't, they're fifth in yards, but I think it's because they have such great balance, and I think they, they, they're so meticulous, and McDermott's so meticulous in, in being on the ball for so long and wearing out other defenses. They're one of two teams in the NFL that average more than 270 yards through the air and more than 120 yards on the ground per game. The only other team to do that is the Dallas Cowboys. And to push back on you with saying that they haven't played any real defenses, I don't think Dallas has played a whole ton of great defenses either. I mean, they've played. They played. They just steamrolled the, the Falcons. I'd say the Vikings' defense is the middle of the road. They played a banged up Giants team. They played an Eagles' defense that has been inconsistent. Um, and, and the Chargers' defense really isn't anything to write home about. I'll give you this: they did put up 29 points the first game against the Buccaneers. They did right. put up 36 against Carolina. They did put up 35 against New England. Yeah, but I still think when that's push like their comes big three, shove, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I still think when push comes to shove, I'd rather have the Buffalo bills offense in a playoff game rather than relying on the Dallas Cowboys. And I think it comes down to the fact that I still trust Josh Allen as an MVP candidate over Dak Prescott, even though Dak has had a phenomenal year. Yeah. It,
0: so I think the big three that you outlined there for Dallas trumps, any of the you know defenses that the Buffalo has gone up against. And, and also just, and I don't know if this is a testament to their offense or a hurt or like a negative for their offense, they haven't really had any standout perfor like players to this point of their skill position. Stephon Diggs has not had the splashiness of numbers that he had last year. Cole Beasley's probably been pretty consistent, but he you know he's never going to splash you away with numbers. Uh, the running backs aren't doing anything special. Again, Josh Allen's numbers aren't on par from his year last year. So I don't know. Having them one is where I'm seeing the struggle. I do, however, have them in my top three. So I flip flopped my one and two. I have Dallas at number one and Buffalo at number two. And I think why I put Dallas ahead of Buffalo as well, taking away opponent a little bit here, is the balance that the Dallas Cowboys offense has proved to this point in time with the run game of Zeke Pollard, with that offensive line being healthy for the first time in a year or two. Like, that is why I put them above more so than their opponents at this point. So Dak's been awesome. Josh Allen, you can argue, has been awesome. He's still not turning the ball over at all, which you love but they don't have the run game that Dallas has. And uh, that's the the icing on the cake for me. If you can pass the ball on first, second, and third down like both of these teams can and do consistently, that's great. If you can run the ball on first, second, and third down and second and short, third and short to get first downs, you can do that consistently. That's the icing on the cake for me. I think Josh Allen probably could run the ball more. You can make that argument. He probably could run it more. And that would make them more effective and possibly more efficient. And they tend to do that when they're down or they're fighting for big possessions. Uh, But to this point, I just think Dallas has been untouchable in that regard. Outside of their one big stinker against Denver, the offense has been basically flawless. So I give the, the tip of the cap to Dak Prescott, Zeke, and those Cowboys down there. And I guess that leaves me with number three, right? Yes. Okay, so number three. I really want to say something that's going to bother you, Pat.
1: You're going to put the Chiefs at number three. I know it.
0: No, I want to say it. I want to say it. But this is an assessment of what's happened, not a projection of what's moving forward. And though Tom Brady is trying to catch up to his boy, Patrick Mahomes, and say, hey, Pat, if you can throw interceptions, so can I right? (laughs) Tommy, Tommy B is starting to turn it over a little bit over here and it's getting a little frisky uh, for their offense. You know, the past two times they played not past two weeks past three, because had the buy stuck in there, but it's a little wonky right now in Tampa Bay. However, I'm putting them still at number three. Like you said about the balance uh, or like I said about the balance with Dallas Leonard Fournette, Really, just owning this this role this year and being a beast, not just as a runner but a pass catcher that Tom Brady has had throughout his whole career that he could rely on. Leonard Fournette as a pass catcher out of the backfield too is enormous. They are putting up points with the best of them again, outside of the past two games where they kind of struggle. They lost two in a row. Uh, they've just been explosive and trustworthy, and you can give them a tip of the cap with their injuries to Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, uh, and you know even Godwin's been banged up. And, you know, it's they had some tough goes at it with injuries. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. I'll give them number three. And I'd say right now the Rams and Chiefs are battling for number four. And I really want to put the Chiefs in there. Let me give you my case for the Kansas City Chiefs here, Pat. Even though I don't have them in my top three, I strongly, strongly considered it. I just couldn't do it with 20 turnovers, right? We're assessing what happened, not what I'm projecting. But what I'm projecting here for the Chiefs is to get right. They have the most yards in the league. Now they've played ten games. The Cowboys um, have only played nine. The Bills have only played nine. So the Cowboys would have more yards. They have more yards per game than the Chiefs. But the the Chiefs are still um, towards the top. Where are they at? Sorry, I lost my tracker here. They're still no. What what the hell? My source working. Oh yeah, there we go. They're still number four in yards per game. They have the most first downs in the league. They have one of the highest scoring percentages in the league. Still at forty five percent. That's fifth overall. So with all these turnovers, with two turnovers per game to this point, they are still number one in yards, top five in scoring percentage, the most first downs. It's it's still electric. And despite a couple wonky games there where they couldn't move the ball and they couldn't score, they are still top tier in all these high-end offensive stats. They're top 10 in yards per play. They're number eight, right? So with all this crap that's gone on with the Chiefs, they're still here. And they ain't going away and it looks like they might only be getting better. So I really wanted to put them in number three, but I couldn't do it because of the turnovers because those happened and it stopped them from scoring. And it has them at number five in scoring percentage rather than number three or number two or number one. Right? So I'm not putting them at number three. I'm not going to bother you, but just know in three weeks, I'm ready to have them in there.
1: Okay. And that is fair. And you know, obviously whipping the Vegas Raiders helps that argument and you, (laughs) And, like, you know,
0: you, you got to say, well, this year, the Raiders.
1: You got to say, with the Jordan shrug, like, how can they not, like, figure it out with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and the, all the abundant weapons that they have? So, uh, if you put them at three, I would have been, we would have been battling.
0: Yeah. It would have been fighting words. I really made the case for myself to put them at three. And then I just looked at it all. And I wanted to knock the Bills down and, and do all that because I think their schedule has been a cupcake in a lot of ways. And they've just gotten so many advantageous positions with the defense being as good as it is. Because not only have they played, like, a bottom five defense every week. I'm sorry. Yeah, bottom five defense every week. They've played a bottom five offense a bunch of weeks, too, which helps them a ton. Right? So there's a lot of arguments to be made there. That's why I'm looking forward to our preview of Week 11 here. We're going to talk about their game, perhaps, uh, and how that's going to break down.
1: But well, look, I don't one know. Of, one, of, one of us is going to have egg on our face, uh, I guess, over the next couple of weeks because Buffalo's upcoming schedule, Colts, at New Orleans versus the Patriots at the Bucks versus the Panthers at the Patriots. They're going to play in the next four, five, six games. They're going to play at worst five, very solid defenses.
0: Yeah, that's, that's no joke. And that's what I'm talking about. Like they had a, an easy road to this point and they're just five and three. And, okay. it hasn't and if really we, we want to
1: go, if we want to go off projections, I think Josh Allen's about to step up in a big, big way over the next month.
0: I, I would, I mean, Hey, I'm here for your projections. I I hear all your projections and I usually appreciate them very much. This one I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for that consistency. I'm waiting for the explosion out of this offense. They're, they're showing little glimpses of it here and there the past couple weeks, you know, I don't know. I just haven't felt that same juice, that same tangle when I'm watching this offense operate, it hasn't quite been there for them this year. I'm surprised Pat that you didn't consider your Cardinals in top three here.
1: Yeah. You know what? I was going to, um, they, they would probably be at number four for me. Uh, but just given the fact that Kyler's been hurt now, I don't, who knows what we're going to get out of Deandre Hopkins the rest of this year. Uh, because that hamstring issue does not seem like it's going away anytime soon. Um, that and the fact that, you know, AJ Green obviously is not having as good of a resurgence year as I thought he was going to have. I think that Arizona's offense can be stopped. And, um, you know, we've seen that like too many more times than I think we should have. Like after the first couple of weeks, I was like, dude, Arizona is going to put up like almost 500 yards a week. Like, yeah, they put up 375 and they score 28 points a game. Um, but you know, I, I I wanted to see a little bit more, especially the way they started. Like their yeah. first three games, first yeah. four games, they put up thirty points or more. Since then, like they struggled against San Francisco, they crushed the Browns. Um, but then the last like the last couple of weeks, like they lose the game against Green Bay that you think they should not have lost right. with no no Devonte, um, no Lazard. And then, you know, they put up 31 against San Francisco, but I watched that game. That was another one where Garoppolo looked terrible. They started a bunch of advantageous positions and then, um, and, um, and that was with Colt McCoy. Right. And, and that's another Colt, thing. Colt Kyler, didn't put you know, up all
0: those 30 points by himself, you know?
1: Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And then again, you know, Colt McCoy comes back to earth and they get crushed by the Panthers. So uh, maybe that's more recency bias the last two weeks, not having seen Kyler Murray. Like that's why I, I wouldn't have yeah. been there.
0: Yeah, but I think I think that's a fair point though as well because of how hot they started and now that, that clearly wasn't all reality, right? It was somewhat unsustainable. It makes them drop down a peg where these other teams were probably a little more consistent throughout, right? Now, two more teams I want to talk about. Um, one is the Rams. They have some numbers that look good, but I got to be honest, when I watch them, the eye test does not always back it up for me. There's a lot of things that they do in regards to, schematics. And I'm not a guy who likes to sit here and criticize play calling. Like I try to understand that. I don't understand how hard it is to call an offense and leave it at that. But there's overarching scheme stuff that I'll try to comment on if I see trends or anything like that. Right. And there's this whole movement across the league of aggression and going for it and pushing the ball all the time. and, And this whole thing and Sean McVay is supposed to be the leader in that category. And sometimes it looks like he's calling an offense for Jared Goff. And sometimes it looks like they're stagnant and they can't do anything but throw the ball to Cooper Cup. So despite their numbers being a top five level for the most part here in the Rams, they're second in yard per play. You know, all those numbers there look really good. They're sixth in yards per game. You know, they have a pretty high scoring percentage. That all that stuff is is wonderful. But when I watch them, I don't feel it. I'm not going to lie. Do, do you
1: see some of what I'm talking about here? I, I totally agree. And I think that was a tremendous point you made about the aggression and how Sean McVay seems like he's gone. He's like, you know, he's like, he's like the flip-flopping politician. He yeah. He's so liberal and laissez-faire and, you know, let's do what it's like. Fucking go for it on fourth and six. We're not, we're, we're going to go for it on fourth and goal no matter where we're at. Um, it, it, like. He he did it in the most stupid position in that game on Monday night. He goes fake field goal up down twenty-one seven before half down like a little shovel pitch. Like the even when he has been aggressive, it's been like head scratching. And you're right. If like without Cooper Cup, they're I feel like a mediocre offense. And now with Robert Woods out, it's gonna take time for Odell to gel. We saw that they barely even used him in the second half. He didn't have a single catch, I think, from the second quarter on.
0: Yeah, he wasn't even um, on the on the field, really.
1: Higby's been disappointing this year, the, the last couple of games. And again, maybe some recency bias with them. They've been terrible the last two games on offense. Stafford's thrown two picks in the first half, each of the last two games. And you're right. I think, um, you know, losing, losing Cam Akers really hurt this running game because oh, when yeah. they had him and Henderson one two, they were tremendous. They were great. They could kind of run on teams and set the tone. Now when it's Henderson and Michelle and the offensive line doesn't seem as great as it was last year. Like, they were getting blown off the line of scrimmage against the Niners. And I know the Niners' defense was supposed to be so great, and they were so terrible at the beginning of this year. Now it seems like they're starting to come around. But, yeah, I mean, I I think the biggest, like, kind of joke this year – not joke, but the biggest overreaction was, like, oh, Matthew Stafford in for Jared Goff. Now the Rams are unstoppable. Like, yeah, Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback far and away than Jared Goff, but he's also not, like, an elite quarterback. Like, even when they had all those weapons, when he had Megatron, and Detroit's offense was pretty good Yeah, when they, had, when they had him and Megatron and the rest of those weapons, like, they still never won a playoff game. Like, there's a reason for that. Like, Matthew Stafford is a stat-compiling loser, let's be honest, for mm. the majority of his yeah, career. Now you're
0: hurting my feelings, you know?
1: That's a tough take to swallow, <laughs> but it is true. For yeah. most of his career, he's been a stat-compiling loser. Oh. Throw for four. Throw for 400 yards, but throw two picks. Throw a pick in the red zone and lose the game.
0: It hurts to hear you say that, but, you know, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're completely wrong, even though it hurts. No, you're
1: you're you're totally right about this offense being very obsolete without Cooper Cup because he accounts for a third of it almost every it's, every single Sunday.
0: It's crazy. So, and I think he has a thousand yards already. Does he not, Cooper Cup? He
1: he has to. He so, has almost. I think he's averaging you know, like ninety-five yards a game.
0: So no, he literally accounts for a third of their passing offense because Matt Stafford's thrown three thousand fourteen yards, and I'm I'm almost positive that Cooper Cup has a thousand yards this year already. So he has a third of the offense. So here's a, a, another stat for you, and I didn't even know this was true. I just looked it up here out of uh, off a whim, off the eye test of what I just told you, right? Like I felt yeah, like it's not always crisp for them, and he hasn't and even been crisp. even okay. even
1: better. Yeah, sorry, Pete. Yeah, Cooper Cup's it doesn't have a thousand. He's got eleven fifty. There you go. One thousand one hundred forty-one yards already.
0: More than a third of their passing offense goes to Cooper Cup, and also I don't think Daryl Henderson's good. He's just a part of a good run scheme right now. So that's another thing. So Matt Stafford is. Uh, 11th worst, worst. So he has the 11th worst bad throw percentage in the league. So that's not very good. You know, he's supposed to be the savior. He's 18.9% bad throws. That's not going to cut it. He's in the realm of Carson Wentz. You know, surprisingly, Aaron Rodgers is there right now. Now, I don't know. This is on pro football reference. Does this account for throwaways and things of that nature? It might. I don't really know. But nonetheless, he's in that bottom-ish third of that, of that ranking also up in this ranking is Patrick Mahomes, which makes sense so far this year with all the turnovers, Tom Brady mm-hmm. is up there as well, which, you know, he has some turnovers in his past couple weeks as well. So, you know, it's not like Matt Stafford's on an Island with a bunch of bad quarterbacks, but it clearly hasn't been as crispy clean as some of the counting stats are showing us. So, yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah. No, again. Yeah, absolutely. In the last two games, um, obviously show that, you know, no, no Derrick Henry and they can't do Dick against the Tennessee Titans and Tennessee Titans, which I said that there, you wouldn't have talked about just over the last five weeks, I'll throw the Tennessee Titans in the top three defense overall in the season. Not so much, but they've been getting two takeaways almost every single game. And then the 49ers, which were like in desperation mode and hadn't won a home game in a year. You're like, all right, this is the bounce back, bounce back spot for the Rams. No, they got down early. He throws two picks in the first quarter, and the rest of that game was like, "All right, let's just literally let's throw it to Cooper Cup every single time, and every hopefully time. we can kind of just you know make our way into the red zone."
0: Hundred percent. It's uh, it's crazy. It really is. And uh, you look at their schedule. They they may be uh seven and three and all, but their most impressive win outside of Tampa Bay is what Indianapolis in week two you know they've beaten the Seahawks they they haven't been good very this year the Lions the Texans the Giants like the Bears in week 1 like i don't know where the impressive wins here are for the Rams it was supposed to be the Niners here and they got burned supposed to be the Titans last week they got burned so it's you know they got the they got to buy this week they got to figure some things out hopefully get Odell back in rhythm and then a big time game in week 12 against the Packers
1: and here's one of the biggest upsetting things too about LA is they don't have a lot of fight in them they are not tough. They've there are three losses this year. They've been blown out, and they look like they have no effort in trying to come back, or they like they do. It's just futile. Like they don't have the counterpunch ability. They don't have that heart and soul of a tough team that could get down early, but you know they're going to come back, and it's going to be a one score game in the fourth quarter. They've gotten down early in those three losses, and they have not had a chance of coming back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's it's weird weird team to watch because they look awesome and terrible sometimes at the same time. Uh, last thing on offense before we go to defense, is there either, you can go both, you can go either, either a guilty pleasure offense that's probably like middle of the pack type range that for some reason you just love, uh, or is there an offense that might be ranking better that you kind of hate? Like, Is there either um, a love to hate offense or a guilty pleasure offense that sticks out in your mind?
1: Hmm. I, a, I know I'm putting are... you on
0: the spot here, but it's just something that came to mind. Cause I, I have, a, I have a team. I can go first. If you want to think why, why yeah, I
1: can. go, yeah, go ahead. Cause I, I know, I know the guilty pleasure. I'm trying to think also really quickly of a team, an offense that I'd love to hate.
0: So there's a guilty pleasure and a love to hate at the same exact time for me. And it's obviously the Vikings. So the Vikings. You so,
1: love, you love to hate and hate to love the Vikings. It's just
0: a weird relationship. Uh, So they are awesome. Sometimes where like Justin Jefferson looks unguardable. Adam Thielen can go nine for a buck twenty and two touchdowns, and you're just like, this guy's still great. Kirk Cousins, let it let him sling it. And then Dalvin Cook could run for a hundred, and you're like, this offense is freaking awesome. And then uh-huh. there's games where they just run the same exact play calls on first, second, and third down every time. And it doesn't work at all. And it looks terrible. So there are they are my guilty pleasure and my love to hate at the same time sometimes because I get so worked up watching them. Cause the, I swear to God. There'll be times where it's like this offense is unstoppable. Justin Jefferson cannot be guarded and they're going to score every time they go down the field and they go three and out three times in a row. The next three drives like what is going on with this team, man. Crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy.
1: No, I, I was, the, that was, they were, that's what I was thinking. of. like love to hate because again, the fact that they are a middle of the pack team right now is very frustrating. Um, I'd say my guilty pleasure offense is the LA chargers. I mean, mm. look, I have, I've beamed about Justin Herbert time and time and time again and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, one of the best one-two punches in terms of receivers that the, in the, that the league has and has seen over the last several years. Uh, I think they still could get more out of Jared Cook, and they're doing that with a pretty mediocre offensive line, um, you know, when you look at it. Um, but they're, you know, they're another team that has come back down to earth the last couple of weeks. They haven't been as fun um, to watch, you know, Herbert kind of sling it all over the field to five different guys on the same drive. Especially when you look at their last couple of games, losing to Minnesota, barely squeaking by the Eagles, losing to the Patriots, doing nothing against the Ravens. I mean, we were like, we were ready to crown the, the LA Chargers a Super Bowl contender four weeks ago. And since then, they've lost three out of four. And that offense teams are kind of solving Justin Herbert. They're bringing a lot more blitzes. He doesn't, he looks very kind of scared. He looks, you know, erratic under pressure under the blitz right now. So they have to figure that out. Um, and they have a huge test coming up on uh, on Sunday night against the Steelers. So I cannot wait for that game because I'm hoping that's a big bounce back spot for them.
0: Yeah, and it'll be nerve it'll be nerve wracking if it isn't because the Steelers are that damn team that they just won't go away, man. They're not gonna go away. They kind of remind me of like I'm trying like the Eric Spolstra led Heat like pre the the finals run, you know, where you kind of knew they weren't the best team around town. But you never wanted to play them because they just fucking grinded you out. You know what I mean? Like Eric Spolster just had them ready to go every single night. They went on a run that one season at the end where they won like you know twenty out of twenty five and made the playoffs. Like that's kind of the Steelers right now. Mike Tomlin just has them firing, and Big Ben's terrible, but he's also like doing just enough to make them relevant. And it's a, it's annoying, frankly, but it's also kind of impressive. So I don't know how to feel about them, but I gotta be honest. The Chargers make me nervous, and they're kind of a love to hate team for me sometimes because I just want so much more out of them. It's nothing against the individuals, maybe against the offensive coordinator. If you want to go there, I, I don't really know, but I want more out of the Chargers' offense, and we're just not getting it yet. So I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, and I hope I hope we see that Sunday night. Uh, that's uh, that could be that's the turning point in their season,
0: right? And that's a tough matchup where it go either way, too, right? Like oh, we're worried, or oh no, they're to be just fine. Uh, all right, let's talk defenses real quick because we got to get some more, get to some more things before we finish up here tonight. Top three defenses, Pat. The clock is on you.
1: All right. So first and foremost, see this is where now Buffalo. I will fight fight with you on their offense, their defense. I'm not going to fight with you. I've got them at number three. The numbers alone are incredibly impressive. They're allowing the least amount of yards, the least amount of points, the least amount of touchdowns, like the least amount of third down conversions. I think either that or their their number their top three but their defense has been unbelievable, unbelievably stingy. That being said, the offenses they have played are bad. Pittsburgh, Miami, Washington, Houston, Miami again, Jacksonville, and the Jets. That being said, their defense was impressive and their blowout went against the Chiefs, and their defense was impressive until the fourth quarter against Tennessee where they folded. Um But still, I mean, I think their linebacking core is the best in the NFL. I love Matt Milano. Tremaine Edmonds has been great. A.J. Klein's been great. Um, Andre Smith at times. Um, And their secondary, uh, I mean, I've talked about Tredavious White being one of the best lockdown corners in the league. And, you know, Levi Wallace on the other side, Um, you know, what Jerry Hughes and Greg Rousseau have been able to do on the edges. I think their defense is great. But, again, they have played relatively no good offenses this year outside of Kansas City and Tennessee. So that's why I got them at three. Number two defense, I'm going to give it to New England, the New England Patriots, who, again, gave up a touchdown. I think it was the opening drive of the second drive against the Browns and then shut down Baker, and then he got hurt, and the Browns offense for the final 50 minutes of the game. And it was just incredibly painful to watch, but what Bill Belichick And has done with that defense and the way that they have gotten production out of every single player on the field, considering on paper they don't have a ton of talent. But Matthew Judon has been unbelievable this year. He's a fucking monster. Him and Hightower and Van Noy, it seems like they never miss a single tackle. Like there is never a time where somebody runs by them and they don't bring them down or run into them and they deliver a huge hit. The secondary, which again is probably the weakest part about this defense on paper are now getting turnovers every single week. Kyle Duggar is like playing like a great safety, which I never thought I'd be saying JC Jackson's been great. McCourty. We know what we get from Devin McCordy. and you know, the fact that they can lose um, Stefan Gilmore and their secondary has still been great is Crazy. is tremendous. And, and then again, you know, uh, up front, Dietrich wise, Devon Godshow, Chase Winovich, Like the Patriots defense is scary, but for me, number one defense in the NFL and still not getting talked about enough is the Green Bay Packers giving up 18 points a game, 310 yards a game. They only give up 203 yards through the air per game. And that defense is doing all of this without one of the best corners in the NFL and Jair Alexander. They have shut down team after team after team this season And we look at the Green Bay Packers and we look at the teams they've played this year and they have been unbelievably stingy. And you consider the fact too, that all these numbers include that week one blowout against the new Orleans Saints where they gave up 38 points. Since then, they shut down the lions, nothing to write home about the 49ers too, like had one of the most successes against them this year. And the 49ers offense has left a lot to be desired, but they shut down the Bengals. They shut down the bears. They shut down Washington. They shut down Arizona. They shut down Chiefs with um, – what's his name? Uh, they Well, they know that they shut down the Chiefs with Jordan Love playing quarterback, and you're thinking like, all right, yeah. like the Chiefs are going to have their way with them considering Aaron Rodgers isn't on the field. They hold Kansas City to 13 points, and then all they do is pitch a shutout against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. To me, the Green Bay Packers defense has been the most impressive in the NFL. It's why to date, if I had to pick a Super Bowl team, it would be Green Bay. I think they're the most complete team in the league. I love watching their defense go at it.
0: Uh, I I'm gonna go right ahead and spoil my number one it's also the Green Bay Packers I was happy you did it you said that and the most impressive interesting part of why they're they've been so good this year or how they've been so good this year despite this they're not getting a lot of pressure they have the lowest one of the lower her- hurry rates in the league only nine yeah, percent and they
1: and they lost to Darius Smith too so they been, Smith has missed basically all season
0: think about this right so they are Uh, number nine in sacks this year with 24 sacks, but they are ninth lowest hurry rate this year. So that means they are, when they're getting to the quarterback, they're finishing the job. So that's efficiency. Maybe you can say it's luck as sacks can end up being a little bit of a luck. I'm not going to call it luck because I think it's been uh, a sample size to this point to where it it means something, but there's just uh, a blanket on offenses when the Green Bay Packers are out there. I don't know exactly what it is at, uh, point to point, right? Can You can't always point to one specific thing of why that defense looks so good. But when you're watching them, you're like, well, why is this team like not doing anything? Why is nothing happening when the Packers defense is on the field? They've given up the sixth fewest yards in the league, and that's uh, probably per game probably even better than that because they've uh, they've played 10. Third, third fewest yards per game this year. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and I, I love that you brought up the uh, fact about um, that first game too, with the 30 plus points and all that stuff, like that makes it even the more impressive though. The saints didn't, you know, gain a lot of yards that game. It was kind of a weird game for, for, uh, Jameis in that offense, but they've been awesome. And without Jair Alexander, all the more impressive tip of the cap to the green Bay Packers. And another tip to Aaron Rodgers to say, Hey man, your team doesn't suck. Okay. You might hate being in green Bay at this point in your career, but your team's pretty freaking good. So stop crying all the time, even though I still love you and you're great.
1: Yeah, and again, like, I, I, I didn't even mention Zadarius Smith at first. Like, this is a guy right. you think is going to have double-digit sacks on the year, and, and instead, Preston Smith and Kenny Clark have been just tearing offensive lines up, and they've got a first-year defensive coordinator, too, in Joe Barry. Like, they've got a brand-new defensive coordinator. Uh, they, he was the guy that made the Rams defense so great, and his schemes on defense are, are just – it seems impossible to beat at times. You mentioned it. There's a blanket. They keep things in front while also, like – getting guys down as soon as they catch the ball they're getting turnovers and they're doing it arguably that they're two best defensive players for the entire season.
0: Yeah I couldn't agree more so I'll go to my number two now I'll just I'll go uh, I'll just go backwards why not uh, so I'm going with the New Orleans Saints and the reason why I'm going with the New Orleans Saints they just you just can't run the ball don't even really try don't try to even do it they're giving up 3.1 yards per carry this year it's silly. Uh, Marshall Lattimore is still doing his thing. That defensive line is an absolute unit. And you watch the Saints play, and you kind of pick out their opponent. Like this week, they have the Eagles. And I'm thinking about how I'd like to bet that game, even though I told myself on Monday I don't want to bet the Eagles anymore. The Eagles have only really found success because they finally found a run-pass balance that Jalen Hurts is not asked to do every single thing for this offense right now, and they're doing well. Well, guess what? That's not going to work against the New Orleans Saints unless Hurts himself, as a running quarterback... Can run for you know 80 plus yards. I just watch the Saints and they fly around. They're feisty. They fight. They're prepared every single week. And I know I'm all on board of, you know, you don't need to run the ball in first and ten. You shouldn't run the ball in first and ten too too much. You need to establish the pass and get uh shorter down and distance to start running the ball. Well, guess what? None of it matters against the Saints. They're gonna chew you up and they're not gonna let you succeed. Uh, I, I love the Saints. I probably could have flip flopped them and the Patriots, but that's my number three. Um, Oh, I didn't put the bills in. I didn't put the bills in. I think it's
1: totally acceptable if you don't have the bills in the top three. No, I
0: I, I didn't mean to not put the bills in. I just realized that I left them out. Um, Maybe, all right, maybe I'll say, I'll say, I don't know. I'll I'll leave them out for the argument. It doesn't really freaking matter. This list doesn't go anywhere, but the bills, like you kind of outlined, have had an easier schedule. I outlined that before. Their numbers are undeniable. You kind of have to just put them there. Because if it keeps up, you look dumb, right? You know, If they keep up solid defense for the rest of the year, you look dumb saying that they were a fluke giving up 15 points a game through nine weeks or nine games. So they deserve to be in the top three. But the Patriots really deserve a shout-out as well. I mean, Bill Belichick with this team, it's it's insane. Matthew Judon is a different freaking beast on the field. I love that he wears the red sleeves all the time Uh because, man, he stands out and he is hitting people. Sometimes to a fault, <laughs> you know, he can get penalized <laughs> a little bit, but Matt Judon is an absolute force. And uh, I can't remember a player on the defensive line like Matt Judon for the Patriots. They've had game breaking players at different positions of a, a pass rusher and run stopper like Judon, who just blows shit up is a different animal for them. And it's been incredibly oppressive to watch. I'm nervous about the Patriots being really good this year. And it's kind of, it's kind of scaring me a little bit
1: yeah and I think too like the thing about Judon is like he's also like kind of holding up his end of the bargain too in pass coverage like as a linebacker that you know is a primary run stopper like you said like when he's not blitzing like when they're playing like cover two, like he's not like giving up a ton of separation over the middle either which has been incredibly impressive for a big like huge boulder of a man like you know you think like oh we can we can go after him when he drops back in pass coverage he hasn't been that bad
0: yeah he, he's he's just a freaking athlete man and when you're that big and strong and that athletic it's it's really impressive and one thing you know you don't always think about the patriots as a team that turns people over that much but they're doing so this year and you can argue if turnovers are a sustainable statistic or not um, but when they're getting that level of of turning it over to this point combined with the yards per attempt and combined with the points allowed, it's kind of undeniable um, for the for the Patriots to be considered there. Now, I'd probably argue their schedule hasn't been that that impressive either from the opposing offenses they've played. Same concept as the Bills. So let's say they're tied for third on my list, and uh, the Saints and Packers, I'll put one too. So, yeah, any any uh, guilty pleasure defenses? Any teams you like playing defense that kind of just a little frisky, give you a little excitement maybe when you watch them. Maybe they're not that good, but they kind of just get, get your uh, – get your juices flowing a little bit
1: Carolina in the beginning of the year for me was that, I mean, they led the NFL through three games and sacks and takeaways and whatnot, but since then they've kind of regressed Denver too. It's another defense that I might've even had cracking the top three. If they held up their end of the bargain against Philadelphia this week. I mean, I was so wrong taking them to beat, to beat the Eagles. Again, that bullshit fumble recovery play, which it looked like, you know, he was down on the pile and then they let the play go on, and then Teddy Bridgewater doesn't even try to tackle Darius Slay. Like that made it that, you know, that accounted for seven points right there. But I really thought Denver's defense was going to hold Philly to like 13 points, and they didn't. And for as impressive as they do look sometimes, and Patrick Sertan looks great, like there's also times too where they're very beatable and they can get beat over the middle. So uh, I'd say Denver and Carolina, at times they look so great, but there's they've been too inconsistent.
0: Yeah, the Titans are right there too, because they've had a good run and a really, really bad run to start the year. It's like, how did they flip that? And uh, Jeffrey Simmons getting a lot of the love inside, just crushing people in there. So he's been he's been truly impressive. Um, and you got to give the Browns a shout. Even though they got annihilated, like straight up annihilated last week, they've destroyed teams in their own right this year as well. And when they get going and Miles Garrett gets going and they start just rushing the passer, you know, watch the hell out, man. They are a scary team to watch when, you know, that defensive line gets uh, pressure. Consistently, and it mostly happens when they're up, so it definitely. Uh, I mentioned the tail and the dog, perhaps for their defense, it relies upon their offense putting them in positions to succeed. Um, and that's a little bit harder to come by here and there lately for them, but when they get going, they are freaking scary, man. And it's led by that scary dude, Miles Garrett.
1: Yeah, I, you know what, I. for me, it's tough to put the Browns up there because they've given up 40 points or more twice this year. They've given up 30, they've given up 45 points or more twice this year. That other time being when they lost 47, 42 against the chargers, couldn't get a stop to save their life. And they've given up 30 points or more, four times and things with the Browns, when the offense isn't playing well, when Baker's turn the ball over and they're not getting a ton and they're not getting in great field position, the defense doesn't like answer the bell for you. Like they're like, oh, all right, well, you know, we're, Teams are starting at midfield against us five times a game. So, like, sorry. Like, yeah. to me, they got to be more complete.
0: Well, they get the Lions this week. So, I'm going to put a bet down that Jared Goff breaks the record for fastest uh, release times of all time this week. Because, I mean, he already doesn't throw the ball downfield very much because he doesn't have that much time. And, you know, they're scared of him messing up. So, this week, (laughs) he's going to be getting rid of the ball in .8 seconds because, you know, he'll be running for his life if he does anything else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or he'll just hold on to it and take like five sacks again.
0: <laughs> yeah, also possible. All right, let's do our quick run through here of the week 11 slate. We usually do our podcast on Monday night. We're doing this Wednesday night for a Thursday release. So let's talk about some week 11 games and preview some things. And why not start with one team we've talked about a bunch going up against a team that kind of uh, sits outside the top five consideration on both offense and defense, though they're not that far off of either. That's the Indianapolis Colts. You know, they're farther off probably on offense than defense though. Jonathan Taylor has been a stud. The line's currently seven. It's in Buffalo. This is one of those measuring stick games for the bills where it's like this team can run the ball with great success as they've done pretty much since Taylor started going off a couple weeks back. Uh, And Wentz has been better and he's been turnover averse this year. That doesn't sit well per se with what the bills have done because they've turned it over a lot and you know, not their, they're not the best run defense in the league. So what do you think gives here? What do you like about this matchup and which side are you leaning towards?
1: Yeah. I like this matchup because I really do like what Carson Wentz has done this year. He hasn't turned the ball over that much. His quarterback rating has been great. Um, and you know, that's again, without a ton of weapons, I would say, you know, I wouldn't say they don't have bad weapons. Um, you know, Hilton's been out for most of the year. Like Pittman's kind of been banged up. He's had some good games. Um, and you mentioned it, Jonathan Taylor in the run game and Naeem Hines have been, have been really good at times this year, but you know, what I, Colts have been are peaking at the right time here, you know, after a terrible start to the season, which they played some good teams past five weeks, they're four and one, the offense has put up 31, 30, 31, 45 and 23. So this is a, this is a prove it game for me, for me and for the Buffalo bills here, like, you know, six and three, only two weeks removed from that awful abysmal loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars they have to show that that was just a fluke. They've got to get to seven and three um, if they want to stay in people's minds as a Super Bowl contender and kind of inch towards that number one seed battling with Tennessee and some of the other teams in the AFC. So for me, this is a huge game for Buffalo. I don't know if I would take them to cover. I think that's a very dangerous seven-point spread. Even if it's at six and a half, I'm not sure they win this game by more than three or four. Uh, They can if they step up and play like it. Uh, but again, this is a very, very big game for me for this Sunday. Uh, one of the games I'll be locked in on. And again, cause the Colts have been playing so well, this is a game where Buffalo needs to prove it.
0: And Frank Reich as a coach of the Colts uh, to this point has been better as years have gone on. That's kind of just how he's been, right? So November has been a good month to Frank Reich and the Colts. They get better as the year goes on. It happened last year. They started turning it up even with Phil Rivers the year prior with Jacoby Brissett and you can see some of those same things happening here this season with Carson Wentz getting more comfortable. Frank has always gotten the most out of his quarterbacks. And the the seven scares the shit, shit out of me too. I, I'm not going to bet this. If I do bet it for funsies, it's not going to be one of my five picks, but I would take the points. It opened at six and a half. It got bet towards the bull uh, the Bills. I keep saying the Bulls for some reason. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, it got bet towards the Bills, but now that it's at seven, some more money coming in on the Colts to cover that up. So who the hell knows with that? I'm excited because... It can go one of two ways here for me. If the Colts establish the run and chew clock, that is their best-case scenario, and that's going to be their their uh, formula for the rest of the season. The Bills' offense still can score quickly. We know this. Is this one of those games, though, where the Bills have to take the kitchen sink out early on offense to make sure they don't fall behind and don't let Jonathan Taylor take over the game? I can't wait for this one. And on top of it, you know, the Colts' defense has been probably just above average this year. It's not amazing. It's not bad by any means, but uh, they they can make life hard on anybody despite not having top-tier talent uh, on defense. So I, I like the Colts plus seven a little bit, not enough to lean hard that way, but this is a game that I can't wait to watch because you're right, Pat. The Bills need to prove that these mid-season numbers are legit and they truly are a contender because with all the love they got, with all the... They're still the best team in the AFC that we've heard. They're 6-3. and You know, this team could, should, would be, you know, a one-loss team right now. So I think there's a lot to prove for the Bills, and the Colts are at a point where they need to kind of maintain course here because they're currently right on the outside looking in of the playoffs, but we all know this AFC is wide open. So a big win against the Bills establishes them right in that wildcard hunt.
1: Yeah. And not a whole lot of X factors on defense where you're like, all right, if this this guy doesn't play like they're fucked, I think that could be the case. It's very early on in the week, but Darius Leonard questionable right now for Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. He has been an absolute force for them. He's forced yet another four fumbles. He's already matched a career high for forced fumbles in a season. Anytime a ball carrier gets loose, Darius Leonard and that iron fist, he's looking to punch it out. He's done it so many times already this year. And, but if he doesn't play, Again, it's very early in the week. He is questionable from. I don't think he practiced uh, on Wednesday. That being said, if Darius Leonard does not play on Wednesday, that gives Buffalo so many more options to be able to run the ball confidently, and I think it makes that offense even more balanced than usual. Uh, And I think Darius Leonard could be the X factor in this game to keeping Indy's uh, chances, uh, you know, chances to keep this game close.
0: Yeah, agreed. It's going to be an exciting one. That's one of those one o'clock games that we we all have marked off on our. uh... Our nine game slate here for Sunday. Let's go to a four o'clock game, the game of the week by pretty much all metrics, especially the one where they physically are the game of the week on Fox. 425 kickoff. Cowboys at the Chiefs. Are you shocked first and foremost, Pat, that the Chiefs are opening up minus two and a half here?
1: I'm not. I'm not because I think the public is I think you're gonna see a ton of public money uh come in here on the Chiefs if it hasn't already. I think that's why they two are they are the two and a half point favorites everybody's so quick to say, Oh, the chiefs are back. Chiefs are back. Oh, the chiefs are back after that huge win against Vegas. That being said, like, this is a pretty good matchup stylistically for Dallas, a team that gives up a lot of yardage. They give up chunk yards, but they have been turning the ball over several times this year. And, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, at length, like we've vomiting from how much we've talked about Trayvon Diggs and how many picks he has already. And the, and the fact that like, also like, javon uh jaron curse excuse me and anthony brown are also like have been you know susceptible to or i should say they've been they've been lethal they've been lurking and and picking off passes too so like dallas's defense could be the perfect storm for the chiefs like they might give up uh 40 50 yards a drive and kansas city might be on the edge of the red zone but then they could also pick off Mahomes two to three times so it's it's a matter of has Mahomes gotten the turnover bug out of his system or does it rear its ugly head again on Sunday? I think that's the difference. If Dallas can get two to three turnovers, they'll win this game. But no, I'm not shocked that Kansas City's opened up as the favorite. They're at home. So, no, I'm not shocked.
0: So, the home field advantage hasn't been a big thing this year. Last year, it made a lot of sense, right? No fans, home field advantage didn't mean as much. This year, away teams are winning and covering a lot. So, that's a weird thing that, like, Vegas is kind of – um kind of adjusting to a little bit here, but surprisingly Pat based off pregame.com. And obviously that doesn't take into consideration all sports books. It takes in like a handful of sports books, but it's a website that I rely on a bunch, 64% of tickets on the Cowboys right now.
1: So, okay. The wow. Pub- so it's actually, so public money's actually going on Dallas.
0: Cause you talked about the perfect storm. Here's a different perfect storm for you. The public loves backing the chiefs. That's flipped over the past, like three weeks starting against the Titans they were backing the Titans, and it worked out in their favor, the public's favor that time. Now the Cowboys are the other team that the public can't help but bet on, whether they're good, bad, or or indifferent, right? America loves the Cowboys. They're America's team. They're betting on them as well. 64% of tickets on the Cowboys, just 56% of cash. So not a huge split of tickets versus cash there, but the, the big cash or the bigger cash is on the Chiefs right now. And I got to say, turnovers are a regression game. We talked about it. We're talking about the best defense in the league. My prediction here is that the Cowboys don't turn them over and that Patrick Mahomes is playing with the confidence that is back to normal, right? I, I, I posted that tweet, Patrick Mahomes, last week during the Raiders game. I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh, And then, <laughs> we, weirdly, Travis Kelsey said that in the post-game interview, which made me feel really good and really weird at the same time. Yeah, you, you called it. I don't know how that happened, but uh, I like the Chiefs here. I think the Cowboys don't turn them over. So except the little big plays, those big plays will come. I actually do like the Chiefs here, and I'm I'm thinking about taking them as one of my picks this week, even though I got hosed betting on the Cowboys two weeks ago against the Broncos and then betting against them last week against the Falcons. 0 for 2 on the Cowboys front the past two weeks. But this is a, a spot where I think I have to go full lean into my Chiefs or back take and, and just ride with the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not saying Mahomes is going to turn the ball over two, three times. If he doesn't, the Chiefs will, they might blow Dallas out. Like That's hard no, to believe, though, right? Is I can't though, say, no, right? I can't say is
0: this a, a shootout to the max here? Like, is that, is that what this is going to be? Because the over-under is currently at, Definitely 58. It's currently 56. It opened at 52.5, and it's at 56. Oh, my God. 95% of the cash 92% of the tickets on the over. So no one's taking the under here, Pat, we might have to just take the under to be, to be trolls.
1: I don't know. I said, if it, if it, if it gets to 58, I, I would stay away. But I mean, how do you not, how do you not take that over with these two offenses? If they're if, dude, this is, this is uh, right now on Wednesday night. This is a total stay away game for me. I want no part of this, but I'm sure come Saturday, I'll have, I'll have uh I'll be on a side, I'm sure, by Saturday. But right now, like, because, again, Mahomes could easily turn the ball again. Like, who's to say one game against the Vegas Raiders with all the all the shit they got going on and, like, Kansas City's offensive line looked good, like they were able to stop Max Crosby and and Ngakwe for the most part. And without the pass rush, Vegas' defense is, you know, basically obsolete. So, but who's to say, like, just because one good game, like Pat Mahomes in this offense – don't go back to the turnover bug. Yeah. I mean, again, that's, that's just pure conjecture, pure conjecture. And, and, you know, you saying, Oh, like turnovers are a regression or it's a regression game. Who's to say Trayvon Diggs doesn't jump a couple routes and pick off Pat Mahomes. Who's to say Pat Mahomes doesn't throw for 450 yards, but also throws two, three picks or that. C- um, yeah, CEH you know, comes
0: back from injury and fumbles twice.
1: <laughs> exactly. Oh man, this is going to be a yeah. tough game to bet. So that is, that is like that's like the perfect storm of a spread two and a half.
0: Let me tell you this right now: the Chiefs are zero and five against the spread at home this year. Yeah, zero and five against the spread at home. That's crazy.
1: So, but it's been most of the time it's been in the range of four to seven points yeah. or more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't even know. Yeah, that's that's craziness. I don't know what to even say about that. But uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking right now. As what about as a home team? Just in general, the Chiefs are. Three and two, zero and five against the spread. Three and two total. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's a fun one. That's a very fun one. All right, we got a couple more games quickly to talk about. Give me, uh, give me your next most interesting game here on the on the week eleven slate.
1: I'm gonna go Bengals Raiders. Um, you know what? Actually, you know what? Screw it. No, I'm gonna go because another team that I have called out this year that I don't think is that great. I think they are largely frauds here through ten weeks, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Um, You know, that's another team where you look at them. They don't have a ton of talent um, on the skill positions like it's Lamar Jackson or die. It seems like every week for this team, Uh, Hollywood Brown continuing to still have problems catching passes. Um, And again, obviously, since they lost Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins in the beginning of the year, the run game. Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman. Now that Murray's back, like they cut Le'Veon Bell. How, how embarrassing is that, by the way, where Le'Veon Bell is? They've lost their Over. they lost their top three running backs, and Le'Veon Bell can't even get touches against Devontae Freeman, and they cut him. Um they're probably gonna have Murray back, but again, like the run game's not that impressive. It's if it's not Lamar, Marquise, uh, you know, Hollywood Brown and Sammy Watkins, like not doing a lot for me. Mark Andrews isn't having as incredible of a season as he did last year, and the offensive line has taken a hit. So like, I'm honestly kind of shocked that Baltimore's at six and three. Um, And even then, like they've won a couple of games that they had no business winning that Monday night game against Indianapolis stands out. And that's only because the Colts lost basically every single player in their secondary during that game. They were down to practice squad cornerbacks. Um, So I think this is a game where Chicago is a really dangerous team, um, which is incredible that I'm saying that because the bears stink. Uh, you know, but again, could this be a game where Justin Fields like puts it together and like we see his most complete rookie performance? It's also a Baltimore team that has not been that great defensively. You know, they lost Judon. Um, Tyus Bowser and Patrick Queen like have not been performing at a Pro Bowl level. They don't have Marcus Peters. Anthony Averitt is an absolute liability for them in the secondary. Teams are going after him game after game after game and you know they don't have to throw in marlon humphrey so i think this is a game too where it is prove it or shut the hell up for baltimore for me um especially because we know that chicago's defense is still dangerous especially if khalil mack plays and the front three that they have where at times it seems like a front five where the rushing robert quinn and khalil mack um i think this is a, this is a really good spot for chicago to kind of be like okay wow maybe they're not that far off from being where they want to be even though i think matt nagy a terrible coach um so, <laughs> So again, on paper, like Baltimore should take care of Chicago, but I have been largely underwhelmed by the Ravens this year. I'm not saying I'm going to bet against them, but they better show up and and prove it on the road.
0: Here's a few stats for you with this game. Right now, the spread is at four and a half, as you mentioned. it's uh, It started at six, is down to four and a half. So money coming in on the Bears, and that's an understatement. 88% of the tickets on the Ravens, just 58% of cash. That means 30 more percent. 30% more money has been brought in on the Bears. So sharp money is coming in hot all over Chicago. What makes me intrigued though is the Ravens are a top 10 rushing defense at this point. You know, they've given up the third or fourth fewest rushing yards per game as a defense uh, about 10th in per uh, per attempt. So and the Bears are a top 10 rushing offense, right? So th- those strengths are clashing. the Ravens' defense has really, as you just mentioned, they've been giving it up in the air more so than on the ground. So can the Bears throw with success is something that I am not going to trust. I am staying far away from this game. I like to root for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And in this case, I'll root without a betting interest in mind. I'm staying away with all that money coming in on the Bears. I'm, I'm nervous about it. So I'm not touching it from a spread perspective. However, I do just have to bet. I have to think the Ravens will win. I think it'll be ugly though. And it won't make us feel much better about Baltimore.
1: This could be a perfect storm for a Patty B teaser special to make a comeback here where we see bears plus 10 and a half and under 52. Ooh. I like how that. Good is that. How good does that sound right now?
0: That sounds like you'll somehow, you know, lose by one point somewhere.
1: <laughs> like in, in theory, if Baltimore does show up and play decently well, like yeah. this should be like a 24 to like 17 game. I feel like I
0: tend to agree. I do tend to agree because the Bears' defense is still solid, right? Like they're not a bad defense by any means at this point in time. So, do you think the Bears are going to give it up like crazy? They've given up 25 points per game, but I kind of like that. I like the 10 uh, plus 10 and a half in the under. So, I'm with that for sure. Maybe you could even go, if you do the Patty Boyle teaser special, instead of teasing them all the way up to 10, tease them just to seven and a half and put those extra points on the uh, total to get the under a little bit higher up.
1: Uh, see, I don't know. See, uh, now we're getting
0: frisky. Now we're getting frisky. All right. I kind
1: of, I, I like, I, I don't hate these Wednesday night pods. Though I feel like I'm like thinking out my, my bets that I'm planning to do out loud here. I like it.
0: This is what we've been missing all along. This is why the picks are sub 500 right now, Pat. We need this. We need pod. A Wednesday nighters. This pod's not for anyone who's listening. This is for you and I specifically to go through our thoughts. <laughs> uh, hopefully, everyone's enjoying it, uh, as well along for the ride here. Uh, two more games quickly to talk about. We'll segue into the AFC North a team that we wanted to mention here. We kind of mentioned Steelers Chargers, already. Let's talk Bengals Raiders for a hot second. Bengals talk of the town a few weeks back, couple lackluster performances. Raiders kind of the talk of the town in their own right a few weeks back. Now they're both five and four coming off losses. It's not pretty for them either, either of them right now, but a whole lot on the line as the AFC West and North are both wide open. Do you have a feel for the Bengals at Raiders currently? even though it's in Vegas, Bengals, a small minus one favorite.
1: Yeah. To me, this game is, uh, this game is very, very tough. Um, It's very tough because you got two teams that are heading, heading in reverse. Um, You know, the Raiders losing to the giants and then getting blown out by Kansas city, the Bengals, the embarrassing loss to Mike fucking white and jets. And then they get blown out by the Browns. So you have two teams that lost games they should have won, then get blown out the week after that. That is a, that is a very tough two-game span to kind of go off on and project what they're going to be going forward, especially what we saw from them earlier in the season just a few weeks ago when they were both 5-2. and two. Um, I think just looking at this stylistically, you're going to get a Vegas team that is going to want to blitz the shit out of uh, Joe Burrow, and if Cincinnati's offensive line doesn't hold up, this could be the Raiders win this by 10 points. If Bengals offensive line does hold up, they've got the weapons to take apart a Vegas secondary that hasn't been that good and has also got some injuries to it as well. So I think that's you know where most part. You know me, I'm a guy that loves to talk about the game in the trenches. That's where this game is going to be won. Um, And also too, if Vegas can run against a very tough Cincinnati front four, uh, they're going to you know then open up the the throwing game for for Carr. Uh, so honestly, this is a very tough game to me for, for me to project. I'm not surprised. It's basically a pick them. And I think it's going to, again, it's going to come down to can Max Crosby and Ngakwe get after Joe Burrow. I ultimately, if I would have to pick a side here, I just think over the course of the season, Cincinnati has had less adversity to overcome again, Vegas has now lost two receivers. They're lost their head coach. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think that, that, that adds up, not on a, not on a one week basis. Like we saw Vegas lose Gruden and then they went out and beat, um, who did they beat right after he got fired? It was it Denver? I think so. Yeah. They went out and they, and they smoked Denver and then they beat Philly the week after that. But now like you're starting to see like the long-term effects of having a head coach who Visaccia, I love him. New York guy should not be a head coach and losing rugs and Arnett and, you know, it's, it's adding up. So if I had to pick, I'd say Cincinnati um, would not be shocked though. If Vegas does win this game again, if they can get to, if they can get to Burrow.
0: Yeah. You're almost trying to decipher whose horses were lost. uh were worse over the past two weeks, right? Like whose losses were more painful and more telling of who they really are. And you think about the Raiders losing to the giants in the fashion that they did. That's a tough one. Now, maybe the giants defense is coming around, which is very much possible. The Bengals defense going the opposite direction as well. So I'm with you. This is a tough, tough call. I think it's almost like you just go. This is a plum pick right here. If you're going to bet on this game, you're kind of a psycho. And you just go with whatever team you kind of like more. And that's not a good way to bet, which is why I recommend not betting on it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm staying the hell away from this game. Right now, the money and tickets are coming in on the Bengals, but no split. It's kind of even, 76% on the Bengals, 74% of cash. So, uh, there's there's no real tell here. I'm staying the hell away from it. Um, but the AFC North is on the line. So after the Ravens and Bengals take their shots at it, we get to see the Steelers play the Chargers on Sunday night. So they can possibly be atop the AFC North after tying the Lions one week later. So who the hell knows what's going on in the AFC? Uh, I, we're trying our best over here, people. We're trying our best. Uh, on to the NFC last game before we do a quick, quick, quick Thursday night recap. People aren't even able to finish this pod by the time that Thursday night Game goes, we're going so damn long, but we're having so much fun. How could we not? Um, Pat, just tell me this. Just tell, I want you to go into my brain real quick. Or set your own odds. What are the odds? Give me a money line on me betting the Vikings plus two at home versus the Packers.
1: (laughs) I would say, I would say that's honestly an underdog. I don't think you're going to take them.
0: You don't think I'm going to take them this week? All right, now I'm taking them. Just because you said I won't, I, I will. will.
1: If you if you can get the if you got the the field goal or if you even got the three and a half, if you got the hook there. Then I can see it. But two, like what do you? How much value are you getting? In, or yeah, how much value are you getting them at plus two?
0: Not not much at all. Not much. Not much at all. No, I mean. Not much, but, like...
1: Like, this could be your typical, too. Like, this could be your typical intra-divisional game where, like, the team just brings it. You see one of Minnesota's best performances against Green Bay, who you could argue is due for a letdown. That being said, I think Pete Kennedy, Minnesota Vikings infatuation, cannot have another chapter this week. (laughs) We can't do it. Don't do it, One of the
0: best teams against the spread this year in the Green Bay Packers... Against the Vikings, who despite being pretty average against the spread this year, Pat, I am six and one betting on the Vikings this year. Two of them are teasers. So one of those teasers was only a win because it was a tease. The other tease would have won anyway. I'm six and one picking the Vikings this year. Actually, that's a lie. That's a lie. I am six and two because week one, I forgot to count. They lost on a last second field goal, didn't cover. But six and two betting on the Vikings this year. I, I don't know. The cash right now is on the Vikings. 35% of tickets only for 50% of cash.
1: So the sharp money,
0: just like me, can't quit the Vikings.
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm considering it. I think... I'm telling you, this is gonna be one where you're gonna be firing off the Andy Milanakis drop on, on on our next pod if you take them and they lose.
0: Yeah, I think I'm 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 probably gonna stay away. I, I don't want to say that I hate myself on Monday when I know I should probably not bet the Vikings, but maybe I'll end up saying I hate myself when the Vikings upset Aaron Rodgers in Minnesota this week, baby.
1: Let's go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, dude, that is, it would be a, that is a sharp play. Yeah, that's that's a that's a Pete short play right sharp play right there. We'll
0: see. We'll see what happens. You know, Saturday morning I'm making the pick, so we'll we'll see how we, we feel once we get over there. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I don't know anomaly. Can Dalvin Cook run against the Packers? Maybe, maybe not. They've been pretty damn solid, as we mentioned. Their their defense has been really, really strong. So I'm kind of leaning towards a stay away here. I'm kind of leaning you, that way.
1: If you take Minnesota and they cover, you might as well start wearing shirts with the uh, pockets on them every week and have a nice sharp sharpie marker in there at all times.
0: <laughs> just let people know.
1: Why, PD what, sharps.
0: why do you got that marker? Oh, I'm sharp, baby. I'm sharp. All right. All right. Let's move on from that. Last but not least Patriots Falcons Thursday night. Pats are seven points favorite. I really just want to talk about this game because this podcast come out on Thursday. So if people listen to it on Friday. You know, y'all know what happened uh, already, but basically the Patriots are, are hot right now. They're getting shit done. They're solid throughout. We talked about their defense. Mac Jones is doing some things. We ended up, we skipped the rookie quarterback thing, whatever. Good scrap. We didn't need to talk about that. Um, But the Patriots are are seemingly real here, Pat. So so talk to me about them. I know the Falcons are up and down. Their offenses look good like every other week for the past four weeks and abysmal in between. Is there a feel here? I know Thursday night standalone games, I can't help myself. I usually throw in a bet anyway. Is this a teaser spot for the Patriots? What, What are you thinking about this Thursday night game?
1: Uh, no, I'm selling on the Patriots this week. Look, this is typical. This is classic overreaction. Patriots blow out the Browns. Falcons get blown out by the Cowboys. I think this is a different matchup in terms of you get a Falcons defense that, um, you know, when they're, again, it, it's hard to say this when they just gave up 43 points against Dallas, that being said, Matt Ryan did nothing to help them, but you get, you get a defense that is not like Dallas, you know, they're at a, the Atlanta is going to try to stop the run and their, their, their defense is going to play a bunch of zone. They're going to try to keep New England in front of them, which I think is exactly what you need to do against a, a Mac Jones-New England Patriots offense. Look, everything tell about this game tells you bet the Patriots, but to me, this is a spot where you got to sell on them. Look, off the four straight wins, they blew out the Browns, and another reason, too, why it's, it's pointing you to bet the Patriots, short week, you get one of the best head coaches of all time. Like That's a spot where you bet on Bill Belichick on a short week. That being said, this is overreaction. The Patriots blow out the Browns. Falcons get blown out. It's not going to happen again. This spread is way too high for me on a Thursday night game at 7. I mean, we literally just saw it last week with Miami doing it against Baltimore. I think the Falcons cover. I think they've got a chance to win this outright. Um, because again, as great as Mac Jones has been, and he looked really fucking good on Sunday against Cleveland, he was making touch passes. They were running basically a different play on offense every single time, whether it was jet sweep with Kendrick Bourne, whether it was fake pitch play action, whether it was touch pass fades down the sideline, whether it was going down the seam, New England's offense looks so complete. That being said, I just don't think it's viable to hold up two games in a row in the span of four days. So I think New England's offense isn't going to look as good I think the Falcons are obviously not going to look nearly as bad. A.J. Terrell has been the best corner in football this year. Um, I think if Cordero Patterson does play, they've got a chance to, you know, really, really use him in a versatile way. Um, He's probably going to be a game-time decision, so who knows? Maybe I might back off and not bet it if he doesn't play. Um, You know, that being said, like, we saw what Wayne Gallman could do in backup spots last year with the Giants. Him and Mike Davis could have a, a decent role but I, I like Atlanta to cover this game off the short week here. I think they have looked impressive outside of that embarrassing loss to Dallas over the last four weeks, you know, beating, taking care of business against the jets and the dolphins going into new Orleans and beating the saints. And, you know, they had the letdown spot against Carolina a couple of weeks before that, but you know, there's, there's something to be said about Matt Ryan and the vet presence. Um, And I just think again, like there's, there's, there's times too, where Pete, we just got to say, you know what? fuck it. I just got to be yep. sharp here. And you got to just think that we can't just go off of what we've seen the last two weeks. You got to think, okay, this is a spot now in the future where this team plays, you know, steps up and plays well. I think Atlanta's due for a, a, a big performance and I think they cover. And again, I might even throw a, might even throw a unit on the money line. I think the Falcons win this game. Ooh,
0: I, I kind of like where your head's at here. I, and I, uh, I have a thought with you liking the cover for the Falcons. That kind of makes me like the under as well. I'm not a big uh, total better. That's not really my thing. I just feel like I just it's just too much. I, I can't wrap my head around the over-unders all the time as well as uh, the spread. So I, I don't bet this very often, but I'm leaning towards an under here. And I heard something super interesting from Warren Sharp. Warren Sharp, one of the best uh, best bettors out there, and his name's freaking Sharp, so ha- how you doing? Um, he said he's rooting for the Patriots to play the Falcons really tight this week. He's not. I don't think he said he was betting it, or else he didn't tell, tell us our pick anyway on the podcast I was listening to. He's rooting for that. So the Patriots come in as bigger underdogs against the Titans one week from now and then bet the Patriots against the Titans then, right? So that's like a really funny thing that I heard. Like he's rooting for the team to look lackluster this week so he can bet them next week. If that's not big brain, I don't know what is. And I kind of like that idea too, right? Patriots come in, look underwhelming against the Falcons. You make some money on the Falcons plus seven, and then you hammer the Patriots the next week against the Titans, whose offense, despite their winning of games, their offense hasn't done well at all recently. They can't run the ball for shit, and they can't really pass either right now. So maybe Falcons cover plus seven. We take the Patriots the following week against the Titans, and we just come out big-time winners. That's how I'm feeling right now.
1: Yeah, no, I will most likely be betting Atlanta. I just think seven points. That's Thursday night football for a reason. Like how many Thursday night games? Wacky stuff,
0: bro. Wacky stuff.
1: We'd have to double check, and I don't think you have it pulled up, even though you usually are very good with having like spreads and shit pulled up. I don't think – off the top of my head, I'm not sure how often the underdog is covered on Thursday night. I'd go out and say it's probably much more than uh, not on a normal Sunday or Monday night football. Um, but, again, this, this feels like a spot where Atlanta goes out at home on the short week and covers, and maybe wins.
0: Yeah, I like it. It's been weird on Thursdays. That's probably what I'll do when I throw a little shekel on there because why not. Uh, but, yeah, that's it, man. Hour and a half of packed football and Nick's talk on Subway Sports Talk. What an episode, Pat. It's always an absolute blast uh, coming on the show with you and just letting it rip. That's what we do, man.
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you, as always, for having me. Subway Sports Talk. Go out there and follow Pete. He's a basketball savant but knows his shit with football as well. Trying. and uh, Yeah. And uh, can't wait. Another another great week ahead, man. We'll have the picks, uh, the pick videos out this weekend as well.
0: I'm sure the true OGs for the diehards listening an hour 30 when they know we're not talking any more content here, but they're hanging around to the bitter end. An announcement coming up for Subway Sports Talk next week. Should be exciting. It's not going to really change anything for the listeners, really, per se. Maybe some more content for you, but an announcement coming next week. So stay tuned. It should be exciting. Subway Sports Talk, y'all, for Pat Boyle and Pete Kennedy. Enjoy the rest of your week and weekend. Check out our picks on Saturday and Sunday, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Subway Sports Talk. Cheers, y'all.